welcome to a special episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. Uh, it's special because this is actually not an episode of the Coastline Covenant Podcast. This is an episode of the new podcast we're starting called the Coastline Covenant Book Club, where we as a staff read books and then encourage our congregation to read them alongside with us. And the first book we're doing is a book called Where Prayer Becomes Real, How Honesty with God Transforms Your Soul. So this conversation you're about to hear is Michael and I talking about the introduction and chapters one and two of the book, and we discuss everything. We get down to the nitty gritty of prayer and theology and spirituality. It's a really good conversation. But if this is not for you, the good news is that you never have to listen to this again. We won't put the book club podcast on this podcast feed. But if you like this podcast and you want to join along, get the book and follow the Coastline Covenant Book Club podcast. The link will be in our bio and it will also be on the Coastline Covenant app. Thanks for listening and we will see you next week and every single week after that. Hey, this is fun, Michael. This is really fun. A brand new way for you and I to talk on a podcast. <laughs> Have we, we done that before? We haven't done that lately. It's been about a month since the last time we've wow. done it. And so it's very exciting to get, uh, you know, the metaphorical band back together, the podcast band back together for a very special kind of one-off thing that I think will probably be built into the rhythm of Coastline Podcasting of, of a book club where we find a book that we find is meaningful and exciting and challenging in a lot of ways and then just read it and talk about it and have people respond to the book and kind of things we're saying. And so I'm excited. I think this is a good starting book. Um, but I wanted to ask you, what are some theological books that have meant a lot to you in your Christian journey? That's a great question. It's a really good question. Um, uh, and I Kiss Dating Goodbye is not a good oh enough book. Oh my gosh, Michael no. <laughs> Barker. Wow, out of the gate. Hey, that was a big one for me in high school. Dude. Was it really? I mean, from in high school, yeah. <laughs> I had no idea about it, and there was a girl I was dating in college, and her mom gave us that book, and I was just like, what is this? So I have, I cannot resonate with that at all. <laughs> And uh, you know, obviously, the Josh Harris story. He's yeah. he's since walked away from that book and kind of faith in general. But yeah, so yep. he kissed. I kissed dating goodbye. Goodbye. I know. Uh, he kissed maybe Christianity goodbye. He kissed it all goodbye. <laughs> so that was a meaningful book to you, honestly, though, or was that just a joke? It was in high school. Yeah. Um. And then and then it was a very frustrating book after because I realized how yeah. bad it really was. So. I wonder. I wonder, like. And this is a conversation that I think people are having a lot in today's culture about like things that were meaningful to you before that have since changed. Like I'm thinking of, can you separate the artist from the art? Oh, you know, that's a conversation right. we're having. And so with like yep. spiritual books, like can you separate the author from the stage of the journey that you were on? You know, like I Kiss Dating Goodbye was meaningful, you, meaningful to you at a certain point in your life. And then... He's walked away from it. You've might have walked away from it in a lot of senses, but that does that still take away its impact on you? I would say no. Okay. Um, um, I mean, what I'll say is like I don't look fondly on that book. I think it was right. bad advice, just to be <laughs> honest with you. Well, how old was um, he? He was like 17 when he wrote it, right? I don't know how old he was. I don't think he he'd it. ever been in a relationship. <laughs> I'm serious. Like I think, and that's is a whole conversation. And actually, Kyle Strobel talks a lot about this just oh, elsewhere, man. but like that's crazy. We give we give like this platform to Christians that are like not mature or they they haven't really earned their stripes and we're like letting them talk about things like dating and marriage. It's like, wait a second, you're 17. How is that even possible? Yeah, I think sometimes so like um, our notoriety and fame is ahead of our character, mm -hmm. and so well, yeah, you know, we're kind of. We're kind of saying things that that we don't know anything about. <laughs> and we have such a complex for celebrity. Mm. And and we were talking about this today in the office. Like the last thing I'd ever want to be is Christian famous. Ugh. You're held to such a different standard. Like not only do you have to be like an icon and someone that someone can like say, oh, I want to follow that person. But you have to have like all the answers. I, I And this is such a tangent. But. I remember listening to like Christian bands growing up and then wanting to see them in concert and like, maybe they'll pray for me. Like as if this singer had a different connection to God, like a more mature, closer connection to God because they were a singer in a Christian band. I remember that yeah. very distinctly. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's interesting. And and honestly, you know, weird segue, but Kyle Strobel talks a lot about that in his other book, The Way of the Dragon, The Way of the Lamb. So mm. we maybe we'll do that for the the book club podcast at some point. But anyway, so I kissed dating goodbye. What else? Um I so I would say like more seriously, um that that was kind of a joke. <laughs> but more seriously, I think um Man, Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. Right. Just just floored me. Like mm-hmm. just absolutely for me. Mere Christianity when I was just a young little college student was was um one of my first forays into like bigger reading. Yep. Um and floored me as well. Mm-hmm. Um Love God with All Your Mind, JP Moreland was a big oh, one for me. Fascinating. Did you take him at Biola? I didn't take him. Um, but I you know, I know who he is and know what he did does. He's such um, an interesting guy. Man, what what an interview that would be. Yeah. Full like apologetics brain. Full charismatic. Full charismatic. (laughs) Full on charismatic. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Which I love that about him. I love that he kind of breaks the mold a little bit there. Um, but yeah, I think like, um, for me, a lot of those, those spiritual formation guys, some of the Richard Foster stuff, Mm -hmm. um, Dallas Willard especially has just broken my brain in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. I love (laughs) that. I, I love Dallas Willard. I love CS Lewis. I think C.S. Lewis is probably one of the authors I've read the most and have gotten the most out of. Um, yeah. But for me, may, may I answer my own question? Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I asked you so that I could say. <laughs> yeah, I asked you. I actually just want to make it all about me. No, but I always think it's helpful to hear the books <clears throat> that influence people, right? You know, so um, for me, I, yeah, I just really wanted to talk about how much I read. Uh, I think two books immediately come to mind for me. And again, these I think would be great books for a book club, mm. even if it's not recorded between Michael or I. Uh, the first one is a book guy by a guy named Michael Heiser called The Unseen Realm. And uh, oh, yeah. once you read that book, you don't really, it, it's, it's, it's a like, you know, in the hero's journey, they talk about you've crossed the threshold, like you can't turn back. And it's a threshold crossing book. It, it, it really changed the way that I engage with the Bible. And I think it's so easily readable and it, it really is a life-changing book. Everybody I've recommended that book to has either been like, this is crazy. I don't, I don't buy it. Or like, I'm a Heiser disciple now. Like I'm speaking <laughs> there. I have specifically a friend who's like obsessed with Michael Heiser, like wants to go to like conferences. He's just like speaking at cause he loves him so much. So unseen real by Michael Heiser. And then when I was a uh, sophomore in college at point Loma, I took a class on the prophets and the professor assigned a book called the prophetic imagination by a guy named Walter Brueggemann. And for what it's worth, that is the single best book I've ever read in my entire life, period. Christian, non-Christian, fiction, non-fiction, whatever. You know, I, I, to me is the best work ever. And it's it's um, gotten me to be a, like a Brueggemann head. I'm a big Walter Brueggemann nerd. He's an Old Testament scholar. And he wrote this book about um, how to kind of engage with the world around you prophetically. And, and I think we have this idea of prophets like speaking on behalf of God and doing, mm. you know, these things like weeping in the town square, or marrying a prostitute, like in the book of Hosea. But he, he kind of distills the prophetic journey down to two things. You criticize and you energize. Criti- oh, interesting. Criticize the cultural dominant narrative. And then you energize people to live in an opposite way. And um, man, oh man, it is just, whew. And it's like 110 pages. It's very short, but it's very, very impactful. And he has another book, kind of like a sequel to it. That That's good too. But the prophetic imagination to me is the one. I just find that so interesting because you would, uh, like, who has ever been criticized that then felt energized after? No, no, no. You're criticizing the narrative. Totally. The cultural narrative. I'm just saying that I feel like it's, 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 um, it feels opposite of what you would think would be helpful. Yeah. And what I, what I find is that that almost like codifies the gift of prophet. Like mm-hmm. if you actually have the gift of prophecy, if you actually are a prophet, then by criticizing, you will be energizing. You will be bringing out um, kind of yeah. the truth in the cultural narrative and then launching people t- and energizing them towards the Lord. Yeah, I, I and, and he uses Moses as an example. And you wouldn't really think of Mo- Moses as a prophet, but the Old Testament does refer to him as a prophet. I mean, I think it's at the end of Micah where it's like there's been no prophet. I mean, I think it's actually at the end of Deuteronomy where it's like there hasn't been a prophet like Moses and it's like, oh, so the, the Bible thinks of Moses as a prophet. And you think about how he engages with Pharaoh. He criticizes Pharaoh, criticizes uh, specifically the demands of work and idolatry that he puts on the, the Israelites as slaves. 
and then Moses energizes the uh, Israelites alongside Yahweh to escape. And yep. I mean, that is it's yeah. pretty rad, pretty rad. And, and as Christians, you know, we are always, we are always presented with a culture that is antithetical to a lot of our beliefs. And so, you know, that's, that, that was something that really, really shook me to yeah. my core. I mean, I would even argue that, that Moses's work on the 10 commandments is, is prophetic work. You know, it's speaking on behalf of God. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's him you know, obviously, but isn't that the truth of all prophets that God, right. it's God's gen- idea first, right? And yeah. then he gives it to <laughs> us. It was all you know? God's idea first. I mean, it was, yeah, it was tablets, funny. right? So that were yeah. given to him. But I think just the idea of like, hey, here's the cultural narrative, right. you know, and, and yet we're going to be opposite of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and you think about the Exodus narrative and again, this is so not what we're talking about. And, and this is, you're on the other feed right now, baby. So you're, you want to be here. <laughs> you you want to be here for this. But I think about the Exodus narrative and all of the plagues against Egypt, if you really dig into it, are actually plagues against gods of Egypt. Um, and literally, that's what the text says. You know, this is God making a judgment on the gods of Egypt. And again, this is my very weird supernatural beliefs of the Bible of these gods of Egypt were real and and they had spiritual power and, and I don't think they were good spiritual powers, but nonetheless they were spiritually active creatures that Yahweh, the ultimate God, was making judgments upon, which, you know, talk about criticize and energize, baby. He's criticizing the other gods of this culture and then energizing his people in ways and saying, look how much better I am than them. Mm. And then as Christians, we're called to do that. We look at the the gods of our culture of money, success, work-life balance, sex, power. And as Christians, we're called to energize and say, no, 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 we want to live a different way. Um, man, if that's not the most compelling thing about being a follower of Christ, I really don't know what is. And so that's, you know what? Let's just do the prophetic imagination. Let's forget this Strobel book and, and just jump in. <laughs> No, we're not. But anyway, you're here. We're going to talk about one specific book for the next several weeks, and that book is Where Prayer Becomes Real, How Honesty with God Transforms Your Soul, written by Dr. John Coe and friend of the pod, Dr. Kyle friend Strobel. Friend of the pod. Now, if you um, have been following the Coastline podcast for a bit, you know Strobel gets a lot of airtime, both in how we talk about things in our church, but also we've had Kyle Strobel on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to the podcast that Michael and I did with him, couple months ago, my, my suggestion would be go back and listen to them because we were, we were commenting on this, Michael, that a lot of the things that Strobel talks about in the interviews are in this book. Yeah. Th- th- this is really what he believes. Right. And this is really a, his heartbeat. Um, and so I think this, this book beyond anything, you know, just very well written, very easy to read, but I think maybe in five years we'll be having a conversation and saying this book was a game changer for us. Yeah, to me, this one, it feels very understated. Mm-hmm. Um, if you read it too quickly or you almost kind of pass by the the concepts almost as as common, um, you, you, you may not see what makes it beautiful. Mm. Um, there are certain things that he's saying where you think, I mean, this just seems like the most simple kind of flip of a switch in my mind. Right. And all of a sudden now I can just pray better, you know, like, cause it's like, oh yeah. So maybe, maybe if I just, if I just tell God the truth then then maybe I'll just, you know, I'll be able to pray better. Well, how often is that why we read a, a, a book written by a pastor or a theologian? Like, I just want to know more about the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to read this book about it. Yeah. And I think this book where prayer becomes real rejects that notion, right? I mean, in the intro, he kind of says that, right? Remember there's that quote where he's like, we want this to be the starting point of your journey, not the not like the conclusion of it. Yeah, and with that, I think like um, what I'm getting out of this book is the feeling that this book is actually meant to be less a like theological commentary, though there's lots of scripture in this book. I mean, just tons so much. of scriptural backing for sure, but it's less meant to be a kind of a, a, um, a theological commentary on prayer, and it's more meant to be actually like... Um, uh, like encouraging you to go and practice prayer. It's like a manual. It's like a manual. It's like a, I think it is almost in itself a big prayer exercise. Oh, that's cool. And there are prayer exercises, you know, embedded within it. And so um, if you're listening to this, the idea is that you've 
got the book at least. Um, and if you don't, you know, that's fine. There's Grace. Go on Amazon, buy the book. We have copies here if you really want one. Reach out to Michael or I. I'm, I'm sure we can hook you up. Um, but we want you to read this book. And, and specifically today, we're going to look at some ideas in the intro, in the first chapter, and in the second chapter as well. So the, the intro is, I think, just called Intro. Uh, yeah, just introduction, invitation to love, and then chapter one, what if a wandering mind is a gift? In chapter two, what if prayer can be a place to avoid God? So if you haven't read those yet, my suggestion would be pause this, read them, take your time with them, do the prayer exercises, and then come back here. But I also think that this is a valuable conversation that you don't have to have read the book, but <laughs> you're on the book club podcast, so you should maybe read the book. You know what we've never done on the podcast? Prayed. Yeah, we have actually. Did we really? You and I haven't, but there has been a prayer on the podcast. Okay. Well, <sighs> it makes me sad that you didn't know that. Here's what I was going to say. Dude, I listened to the podcast. I don't know where that where I missed that there one. There was a conversation I had with Sean and Garrick about canceling the 6 p.m. service. It was like, should we cancel the 6 p.m. service? And Garrick said, every 11.15 we pray. Right, 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 right. And, right. and it was 11.15 when we recorded it. Oh, so said, you just hey, stopped hey, and let's prayed. close oh, with Garrick praying. Well, here's what I'm thinking. So there's some trivia Can for Can we you. just pray really quick, everyone from home and all yeah. of us really quick yeah. before we hop into this? Let's do it. We're trying to learn how to pray. <laughs> yeah, and I also I also think it'd be valuable for us to maybe isolate one of the prayer exercises that we liked and walk through that. You as know well. what? That would be really cool. Yeah. Do you have an idea on that yet? Oh, I think it's the wandering mind one. You want to lead us through it? Let's do. Let's just pray to open up, and then okay. when we get to it. We'll oh, talk oh, cool, about cool, it. cool. Sounds good. All right, let's pray. Well, Lord, um, we really want to be uh, coming to you in honesty. I'm coming to you right where we're at. I mean, some of us are at home. Some of us are on the road. Um, Hunter and I are in an office right now. <laughs> um, but we come to you just in the kind of the honesty of where we're actually at. I'm not trying to perform, not trying to put on kind of a, a happy Christian face, but um, just trying to be right where we're at. And that could be a happy Christian face. I don't know. But Lord, we we come to you just in, in the honesty of this moment and um, wanting to learn from you. Um, wanting this to be more than just kind of book content, but um, wanting to take seriously the call in this book to um, to come to you in the honesty of our lives. So, um, God, even amidst this podcast as we're recording, God, we come before you and and ask that you would be with us as we dive into this content. Lord, I pray that this content would come off the page and that it would live um, in our lives. Um, that it would be. Um, content that we actually can see uh, in influencing the way we live and the way we, we have relationship with you. Um, that's really the ultimate goal of this, is that this book would, would impact our relationship with you. So we love you. We give you this time and um, and the time after this time um, that God, we might live lives of prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, man. So that was the second prayer on the podcast ever. So you just, <laughs> just keep that in mind. Um, anyway, so the introduction... An invitation to love um, kind of starts with this quote. If you want a boring prayer life, spend it trying to be good in prayer rather than being honest. So, Michael, my question for you, and we'll get into this maybe in the next chapter a little bit, but what does it mean to be good in prayer versus being honest in prayer? <laughs> Man, well, first of all, I just want to say, like, I don't, I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, like, I'm not good at prayer. Oh, yeah, dude, totally. And there's a lot, a lot to unpack with that. I mean, we have like prayer training, which is our, you're already putting people out and saying, well, if I have to train to pray, then I can't pray. Right. Yep. Yeah. And, and specifically during our prayer training, I, I remember thinking of a couple people coming up to me and saying, Michael, like, I was so afraid to come to prayer training right. because I, I feel like I'm not good at this. It's a misnomer. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really training. Right. It's, it's not really, yeah, it's not really training per se in the sense that like, hey, you only can do this when you're, you uh, when you're trained. This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, actually, all of us can do it whether we're trained or not. You know, mm -hmm. if, mm -hmm. if you're a Christian, if you can breathe, you can, you pray. can pray. We believe that at Coastline. Um, that's, yeah. that's part of the prayer theology here at Coastline. We believe if you can breathe, you can pray. Yep. So that being said, I, I just want to say that first. Like, I, I think that there's already kind of a... Uh, an idea that goes around in our minds of, am I good at prayer or bad at prayer? Like there's this kind of black and white thinking that we have in, in prayer of, man, I, I want in my prayers to sound profound, whether that be to others that are around me or even just to my own brain. Like I want to sound profound <laughs> yeah. in my prayer. I want to feel holy in my prayer. I want to feel 
like I'm doing it right. Um, and even, I mean, I remember as a kid, like thinking that if I didn't pray um, correctly, that God wouldn't answer my prayers. Oh yeah. Yeah. I shared that at youth group on Tuesday. I said, I used to say at the very end, like, Hey God, if I didn't pray for something, just know that I prayed for it. Like yeah. just in case, like if I don't pray for an A on this test, cause I forgot, I'll get an F. Yeah. You know, like he's withholding things. I have to like unlock them with my, with my words. It's like, it's like the, the crypto unlocking of prayer. <laughs> totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally, totally, totally. So that's, that's a really interesting comment that you've had from people. I'm not good at praying. What do you think people mean by that? I mean, I've certainly believed that and I have my own thoughts, but I'd love to hear from you. Say that one more time. I, like, what do you, th- what do you think people mean when they say I'm not good at praying? Oh, you know, honestly, I would guess that most people um, either A, uh, feel like um, they they aren't eloquent at speaking. Um, right. Or like they they struggle to know, they struggle to, to know impactful things to say in prayer or profound things that they don't sound profound to themselves. Yeah. I think that's often what they mean by that. Um, I also think that maybe some people, it actually feels like God doesn't answer my prayers. Yep. Um, or that's their experience. Yeah. That's what they feel is that God, mm-hmm. God doesn't answer my prayers. So I'm bad at praying. Yes. Um, I'm not getting the results that I intended. Therefore yep. I'm doing something wrong. I also think some people, it feels like I don't do it enough that it, there's like a, a, there's a, there's some like invisible amount of time that you should spend in prayer each day in order to be good at it. Yeah, I wonder what the result of prayer should be. Mm. You know, like, is it the things that you pray for? Yes. But is it also, you know, community, communion with the Lord, unity? Yes. I I would actually argue that it's like that the actual result is the percentage of the goal, the, the percentage of the goal of prayer that has to do with the results is far less mm-hmm. than the percentage of yes. the goal being yeah. relationship with God. And I wonder if that's just like a cultural thing. And I'm just thinking out loud. Like, I wonder if that's just like an American culture thing. Like you can get anything you want if you just pay enough or do enough to get it. And so we look at prayer in the exact same kind of like way. But, you know, I, I kind of jumping off of that point, like Strobel says on page 15 or John, Co. I don't know, it's co-written. So I don't know if they're like, Who's writing what? I know there's parts where like I Kyle or I yeah. or I John, yeah. but you know most times it's not that. But anyway, there's a part on page 15, uh, very near the very bottom, where talking about being honest and being deep in prayer, um, and how we fail to pray because we do want to be profound and we do want to have that like super pithy, repeatable statement. I think I, I've said this to high schoolers before, but like. The, the Christian economy, if you're really thinking of like money, the most valuable thing in the Christian economy is when you pray and someone goes, mm. <laughs> it's that, mm. that mm is like, that's buco dolores for a Christian. And I think that we base our prayers like, oh, oh man, this gosh. is going to, this is going to get an mm out of it, you know, which this book just rejects that fully, which I Dude. love. And that even just, I mean, I even just, I'm, I'm reminded that I think so often the way that we value judge anything is out of comparison. Dude, absolutely. That's yeah. something I've really been thinking about lately. Like Hunter gets lots of ums. I don't get as many. So maybe I'm bad at prayer. Yes. Yeah. Or then like, oh, Michael gets a lot of ums. Oh, it's because he has a spiritual formation degree, which I'll never have. <laughs> so I shouldn't pray. Like yeah. it even doesn't even come down to ability and quality. It just comes down to like things like that. So anyway, this, this, this intro of the book, which kind of sets the stage for the rest of the book, uh, 15, you know, God has been leading us to himself in truth, our failure to pray, our fears that we have prayed poorly, or even our resistance to prayer are all echoes of God's invitation to pray. How can we be present to God in this? And then this line I love, we cannot lose if we come as we are. So this is where we begin. That's so good. That's such a freeing statement. I read that and I said, this is, this is great. This is really, really an important thing to hear. You yeah. cannot lose if you come to the Lord as you are in prayer, which I would wager is something that the church, Big C Church, really doesn't articulate well. Mm. I think there is this sense, and, and you know, you and I have talked about this a lot, like this sense that you have to clean yourself up before you talk to God. And I, and I, I think we deal with, this especially when we're stuck in sin or we're doing something 
and I, and I'm, I'm reflecting on my own journey and, and man, how many times did I struggle with something? And I said, God doesn't want to hear from me right now. Mm. Cause I blew it today. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting to me, man, is that I think, um, authenticity in our leaders in, in church yeah, yeah, and even just self-authenticity in our own spiritual journey is so deeply important to us as Christians. Like, I don't want to go to a church where it feels like the dude up front who's preaching isn't, you know, isn't authentic. Right. I don't want to go to be a part of a, 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 you know, a high school group where the, you know, the, the, the chick who's, you know, leading my life group is not, is not authentic. Like, I just don't want to be a part of anything mm-hmm. that, that even sniffs of inauthenticity. Mm-hmm. And yet it's a catch 22 because we have limits to what we want to hear. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. It's like, I want you to be authentic, but not too authentic. Right. 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 Or at least you perceive that you perceive that that's, and you perceive that's how it is for your own life. Right. You perceive that people don't want too much of me. They want, they want me to like not hide and, and be fake, but they also don't want too, want too much of me. And yet I feel like, and sometimes I almost think we think that same way about God. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, how much of our relationship with the Lord is based on our relationships with people in our life? Right. You know, like it's so, it's so tough, but you know, I think what's, what's really fascinating and, and kind of like wrapping up the intro conversation is like this idea that we have to ask ourselves like, why, but why would God care for me to be just myself. Like, why wouldn't God want the best version of myself or my prayers possible? And and they say it right here on page 17, only love can sustain this honesty in the life of prayer. Like God loves us so much that he's like, I don't really care about the cleaned up version. I don't really care about the version of yourself that you think I care about. I actually care about the real version. And they use an analogy on page 16 uh, with a children's story, the Velveteen Rabbit. Oh man! So Michael, tell uh, you came to me the other day, and you're like, "Bro, this blew my mind." So, 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 walk us through that a little bit and how it connects to that point. Yeah. So the Velveteen Rabbit is this story um, of this this kind of stuffed animal rabbit um, and his journey towards becoming real. What does it mean to be a real rabbit? Um, and um, this is what it said. It said, you know. Uh, uh, this journey often feels uh, more like getting worn out than getting real. Getting real is a thing that happens to you. When a child really loves you, you become real. Does it hurt? Well, sometimes, but it takes time. By the time you're real, you become very shabby because once you're real, you can't be ugly except by for those who don't understand. Yeah. And I I just love that concept of almost like... um. What makes you real? Well, your stains and yeah. your yeah. your kind of the the shabbiness of your of your heart, the shabbiness of your life, the way that you look kind of a little worn out because the wear is actually what proves the fact that you're real. Yeah. Um if mm. you were just pristine and perfect all the time then uh how how could that be real? And that's the posture of our souls in real prayer. Wow, man, so good. That it, is so profound. It honestly reminds me though of like my my guitar brain goes to like, you know, some of my some of my my friends they talk about like their favorite guitar is the one that's the most beat up. Yeah. Because it just has these war stories of yeah. of these great times that they they played and, you know, did gigs and whatever they did with it, you know, like that the the act the wear and tear, the relicking is what they call it in the guitar world. Um, is actually, you know, what kind of makes it their favorite thing. It proves that it's their favorite thing because it's been used. Why has it been used? Because it's their favorite thing, you I love know? that, yeah. Um, and so I just, I don't know. I love that, that it's just profound to me, this idea of this little bunny um, thinking, well, look at me with all my stains, you know, um, it, it's hurt becoming, becoming real. It's hurt. I'm getting real. Um, and getting real, and, and to tease that out, it's painful. Yeah. To, to, to sit before the Lord with who you really are means you have to know who you really are. Mm. You have to look in the mirror and, and, and observe, you know, what's really going on. And that's painful. I mean, how much of our lives are spent not doing that? Yeah. <laughs> how much do we look at our phone, get distracted with Netflix, family, money, job, just so we don't have to actually sit with the reality of who we are? And the crazy, crazy notion of this book and I say this book, but it's also the notion in scripture is that God actually wants that version. 
Mm. He wants the version before the distraction. He wants the version before the medication, not like real medication, but like the sure. way we self-medicate. Yeah. And I think that's really fascinating. I think that would really change change the prayer life. So that that's kind of the intro of this book. That's basically what they're saying. Do you feel like we've uh, we we've hit any missed anything in the uh, the intro here, Michael? Um, the only other thing that kind of hit me as important is even with that that velveteen rabbit story. I I feel like the the pain that it takes to become real, the process of kind of getting muddied up and just you know dirtied up as you become real with with God or you know, in life, however you want to take that analogy. I think, um, I loved also what, um, the author John or Kyle said, <laughs> we need to make um, a portmanteau of their names, like Gile, Gile, like con, Kion, Kion. Oh yeah. yeah okay. Kion. We'll call him Kion. Um, yeah. What Kion said, um, I, I love, they said only love can sustain this kind of honesty yes. in the life of prayer, that it's not about tones and techniques. Um, but it's about growth within a union of love, not simple fixes, but love and union. And I think that that's the piece that I think we often forget is that, um, you know, let's just take this Velveteen Rabbit analogy. The owner of the rabbit loves the rabbit. The owner of the rabbit loves it, whether it's like freshly out of the, the dryer and, you know, smelling all good or whether it's been beat up and, you know, dr- drugged through the mud. The, the, the author loves that rabbit and that's the only thing that sustains the rabbit, right. though it's completely tattered. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's true. We have to remember that this journey of prayer is a journey into the love of God. Oof. That's so good. Dude, man, like that, I mean, that's like a pause moment. And like, think about that for 42 years. Like prayer is a journey into the love of God. It's not a journey into like getting you more or, you know, and so I guess you're answering my question, but like, is, is the love of God something that you actually want to journey into? Because if the answer is no, of course you're not going to pray. Yeah. If you think a relationship with God is not profound and meaningful and gives you, you know, the most meaning and satisfaction in your life, then of course you're not going to want to take time to cultivate that. Mm. I always go back to the prodigal son and how the older brother comes to the father at the end of Luke 15 and says, you know, he's like, you never kill the ca- the fattened calf for me and my friends. Like, I never got to do any of this. And mm. the father says, <clears throat> son, everything, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. Mm. And um, I, I really love that because I think that's, 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 the, that's what we get with a life with God. Everything that he has is ours. All of his love, his power, his, his, his grace is ours. And I think a really sobering question is to ask yourself, is that good enough? And sometimes it's not, man. Like if I'm being honest and vulnerable here on the book club podcast, sometimes it's not, <laughs> you know, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it does feel like, you know, you're just praying to the ceiling or you're just praying to yourself or you're just yep. trying to go to bed at night. Like, yep. yeah. And I think it's not enough because I don't believe it. It's not enough because I believe it too much. And I believe that when I really do come before the Lord, I'm going to be exposed. And that's a really, really scary thought. Mm. You know, I am, um, I bought the new John Mark Comer book. <clears throat> And um, I haven't read it yet because I know it's going to rock my world. Like it's just sitting there under my table, ready to be read. I'm like, I know that thing's going to rock me and I'm almost not ready to do that yet. And so that's kind of how I feel about <laughs> prayer sometimes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, it's, I, it's nice to have you laugh at me after I'm super vulnerable. Thanks, sorry, <laughs> sorry, dude. No, I'm just thinking I'm about, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm just thinking about, gosh, I'm that's the most about- serious I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> I dude, I like Serious Hunter. It's good. That's Michael's serious probably too much. So we're gonna start another <laughs> podcast called Serious Hunter. Serious, yeah. And I just talk about hunting. Oh my god! Because I'm a serious hunter. Oh my god! See, gosh. they're not not. There it went. There's the. There went the. There went. Yeah, there went the moment. Anyway, I, what I was the way the reason I'm laughing is that I I really it, I just get a chuckle out of the fact that we really do have so much to unlearn in prayer mm-hmm. that. Um, you know, a lot of us, I think there's this feeling of, Hey, I've been a Christian for X amount of time. For me, it's been like, I don't know, 25 years Mm -hmm. or whatever, no longer 20, 30 years. I've been a Christian for 30 years. So man, like I should be like an expert prayer by now, you know, like I should just be so good at this. Mm -hmm. I should be great at sitting in silence. I should be great at, um, you know, reading deep things like you're talking about and just, you know, not, not afraid to kind of read the next thing or invite God into the deeper places. 
Um, but instead, I actually think the majority of us are experienced, and I could be wrong, but I think the majority of us, the experience is like, man, I have to unlearn a lot of these yeah. things I think about God and I think about prayer, I think about myself, um, because I don't. I sometimes don't believe that God actually is that loving to accept me as I really am, because I don't yeah. accept myself as I really am. Totally, totally. Um, so I just get a chuckle out of like how how much I, in my own life, I have to unlearn yeah, um, and totally. I'm sure some of us listening to this also have to unlearn. So, what a great segue! Because part one of the book, the first four or five chapters, is under the heading of what we need to unlearn about prayer. Yeah, and the first chapter, um, which I really I cannot recommend this book enough, but I also specifically cannot recommend this chapter enough. Mm. Chapter one: What if a wandering mind is a gift? And so this chapter, they kind of challenge this notion that, hey, if your mind is wandering in prayer, you're not good at praying. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, they, they, they have this kind of like redemptive idea about your wandering mind and saying that, what if that is the deepest desires of your heart? And why aren't you bringing your wandering mind and your wandering desires towards God? If prayer is a place to be honest and you're honestly wandering, why aren't you bringing that before the Lord? And again, it goes back to everything we've been saying. We have to be good good. at prayer. We have to be refined in prayer. We have to be, we can't be real in prayer. We have to be the pristine version of ourselves in prayer. Mm -hmm. So that's why I love this chapter. I mean, this one, this one really revved me up. I I love on page 25, there's kind of like this, this paragraph break where, um, Kion says this, Kion makes me laugh each each time. Prayer (laughs) is not a place to be good. It is a place to be honest. Prayer is not a place to perform. It is a place to be present. Prayer is not a place to be right. It is a place to be known. Prayer is not a place to prove your worth. It is a place to receive worth and offer yourself in truth. And then the next line, my wandering mind is what helped my lifeless prayer die. (laughs) My wandering mind is what helped my lifeless prayer die. So if you have a lifeless prayer life, there might be a chance that you're doing too much controlling of your wandering mind and you ought to bring those things before the Lord. That's a boom. Yeah. I'm just going to be honest. Like I, yeah, for me, man, I am one who, who prayer feels less natural to me. Mm -hmm. Like actually sitting in prayer and focusing and like, having a congruent thought in prayer feels less natural. How about you, Hunter? Do you feel that? So unnatural. Yeah. I love, I mean, I, I, I feel very convicted about prayer in the divine conspiracy. I don't know what Dallas Willard book it's in. It said, you can tell a lot about someone's inner prayer life about their outer prayer life. Mm. I mean, it's like that verse in Luke, what Luke 18 about the tax collector and the Pharisee praying, you know, that that's a very, very poignant parable in, in this conversation. Like if someone's up there, you know, beating their chest, talking about how great they are and how they're not like everybody else, then like chances are their inner prayer life is a lot like that as well. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you can fit mm. any kind of adjective into there. Like if, if the person praying on stage is, you know, trying to get the ums, they might be trying to evoke a specific response from God as well. Or if that person is, you know, trying to be super spiritual and super well-crafted and refined, you know, they're probably doing that in front of the Lord as well, which, you know, all these things are inauthentic. And so that's my bend. It's not that prayer is not a natural part of my rhythm. Cause I mean, honestly, it's not, it's, it's something I'm really trying to work on, but being honest in prayer is also a, not a natural part of my rhythm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would say that part of the unnatural part of prayer that I've felt, and maybe, maybe some listeners have felt this too, is that it becomes lonely and mm. lifeless. Yeah. And I, you know, one of, the, I feel like what this, what this chapter is bringing up is the idea of if your prayer life feels lonely and lifeless, if you feel bored in prayer, if you feel, um, like it's not worth your time because when you do it, you kind of walk away. Like that just felt like more of discouraging than yep. it felt encouraging. Yep. I think that there's, there's a question to be begged of how truthful are you actually being? Yeah. Because, and I know I'm just speaking for myself. Like there are times I feel like, man, my, that whole time of prayer just felt lifeless. Like I walk out, I may have said a lot to God. I may have uh, repented a lot. I may have asked God for God's forgiveness a lot. I may have felt guilty a lot. I may have even chastised myself in prayer a lot. There's a lot of self-talk going on. Yeah. But 
did anything real actually happen? Yes. And, and dude, you're absolutely right. Like, let me ask you this question, Michael, as a spiritual director, and, and I'm sure you've done spiritual direction with people and mm-hmm. it's in the name. When you think about people coming to you and saying, well, I don't want to pray about my sin. Mm. You know, like, what, what is that? <laughs> I like, think- I don't want to be real to the extent that I won't even tell God about my sin. Like, I won't confess. Not only I won't confess, but I won't, like, bring it to him and be like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, there's an interesting thing that's happening in prayer. What's happening is not only are you telling God things, and so you're you're outing yourself to God, which is not even really a truth, truthful thing because God already knows. Yeah. But like, it's how you feel when you tell your mom something or your brother or your, your spouse, right? Or your best friend, like you're outing yourself, mm-hmm. right? So you're outing yourself to God. But here's the second thing that is happening. You're outing yourself to yourself. Oh, yeah, that's the worst. Right? And so so there's a piece of, of um, uh, why people don't want to talk about their sin is that it creates tension and it creates, um, there, it begs a question. And the question is, um, how much am I willing to look at this? Because then I have to do something about it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like I think that, the neutrality that we have towards our sin, you know, is like, that's, that's a huge problem. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's one thing to say, like, I'm struggling with this sin and, and I'm trying to deal with it. I'm trying to white knuckle it. Or like, I'm giving this sin over to the Lord. I'm confessing and I'm working on it. But like, Hey, yeah, I know. Like, I know I'm doing that. I know that's where I'm at in my life and that I'm, I'm just kind of, you know, it's like, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Yep. So, so Dallas Willard, he, he talks a little bit about the will. Mm. I think we've talked about this on the pod before, but you know, kind of that there's three different types of people, Mm -hmm. the willful people, the willless people and the willing people. Mm. Did we talk about that? No, no, this is new. Yeah. So he talks about, there's these three types of people and that, that, you know, are basically like, you might find yourself as a person that, that at any given point in your life, you know, you may be feeling willful, meaning yeah, I can, I can do this. I can pick myself up by my bootstraps today. I can, you know, I can conquer whatever my sin is or whatever my brokenness is. And, and, and I can, I can do this and I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps. Or you might be kind of what you're talking about, Hunter. Um, this person who is neutral in their prayer life to the degree that, um, they feel will, they almost feel willless. Like I can't defeat my sin. So I don't want to talk about it because I don't even feel strong enough to like deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're just completely willless. You just feel like, like I have no way to stop myself from doing the things I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think what the Lord's looking for is for us to become more and more willing. Yeah. Um, in the way that we approach, mm. uh, sin and approach him yeah. in, in honesty. Yeah. It reminds me of this line on page 30. Uh, when we believe God cannot or simply will not hear about our sin and failure, we end up keeping these truths to ourselves, but we are not able to manage our sin. We need to bring it to him. When we come to God with our petitions and our minds are whispering, oh, John, you are asking God with such little fervor and love, or oh, Kyle, you are so out of it today. Get your act together. We have to learn how to bring these things to God. Do we believe God can hear these kinds of things? We know the spirit of Christ hears and sees all that we are wrestling with and is calling us to share that with him. Hear his call. And then he quotes Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. Come to me, all who, are, uh, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Mm. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We often, I think we often repurpose that verse to say, talking about rest and like rhythms of life, which I totally yeah, believe it sure. is. But like, what if you apply this to your prayer life? Mm. Like you can just come to God. You don't have to be exhausted pre-prayer. Mm. Here's what I'm going to say. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to ask for this. Here's how I'm going to, you know, rationalize this in my own head. But I'm just going to give to God what's happening. I mean, wow. how, how liberating would that be if we really did that? Mm. I mean, how much would your prayer life change if you really yeah. did that? Yeah, that's huge. I, I, I love that thought. That's just hitting me in a new way, Hunter. Like, yeah, what if the rest that we actually get um, from the Lord isn't post or um, it's not post prayer. 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like yeah. it's not after we've prayed now you know, that I've sat with God in silence. Now I'm receiving rest. Like a what nap. If, yeah, like a nap. Yeah. Yeah, na- yeah, it's almost like after the nap you feel rested. Yeah. What if what if the rest that we get with the Lord is actually like happening um by not st- not having to strive with him? Yeah. Dude. I mean, you think back to Genesis, you know, Jacob wrestling with God. Like that is that is so often what we do. We just wrestle with God and it's like, man, how exhausting would it be? Like if we really thought about who God is, like you think about Paul in Acts 17, he gives this great theology of who God is, you know, and he's responded to the Athenians about their views on like an unknown God and all the idols and stuff. And he says, he's created everything. He gives everything breath. You know, he's, he's told people when they can live. He's appointed their times. He's, he's created boundaries. In him, we live and move and have our being. Like that is who you are trying to wrestle. Mm. That's exhausting. That'll take your whole life. But what if you just say, like, this is who you are, and this is who I am, and, like, it's so much better if I just give you honesty. Yeah. Pretty big. It is, it is very interesting to me that we, that we lie to God. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, and it's very interesting because we also lie to ourselves. Well, by lying to God, we lie to ourselves. Right, right. <clears throat> uh, like, I just feel like it's just so interesting because you know yourself, and God knows you even better. And yet we still try to try to like put on these faces and masks and lies. We do it all the time. I, you know, I do it all the time. Like Mm -hmm. it's this, you know, I want to clean myself up before I come to the Lord. I'm reminded of, um, you know, that passage in John where it says, you know, while we were yet still sinning, Christ died for the ungodly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, I almost think what the Lord's trying to communicate there is like, Hey, like I, I love you as you are so much so that, you actually, you can't clean yourself up. You're right. incapable of cleaning yourself right. up. And yet you try to pretend like you can in front of me. And I'm just watching you do this little <laughs> dance. Like I'm watching you do these mental gymnastics to try and make yourself look better to yourself. <laughs> and that's exhausting. Uh, and that is exhausting. Why are you doing this? Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, I've loved you all along. I'll love you later. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I loved you before. And yeah. You know, there you're just, uh, you're just doing a dance like while I'm watching you do it. And that's, and that's what, you know, keeping the cross at the center of prayer looks like remembering that God has proven to us that he loves us while we are still sinners. And if he, if he has done that, of course, he's going to listen to everything we have to say in prayer. And of course he wants that version more. Cause that's, you know, that's the version he could do work with like the Velveteen rabbit. Also, I don't think that passage is in John. I think that passage is in Romans. I wasn't going to say anything. Like <laughs> I, you were going and I was like, I, I knew that. Like, <laughs> sorry, dude. I wasn't going to say anything. There's no point in like, you're on this big, great point, And I'm like, oh, Romans, <laughs> you, you missed it. But I don't really care. I, Thanks, man. Thanks for letting me look like a doof. Okay, Michael. Okay, Michael. I can be honest with you, Hunter. Thank you, man. And accept Thank me you. as I am. I do. Of course I accept you as you are. <laughs> Duh. Duh. All the board games and everything. Um, so, oh my gosh. so the, you know, I we're talking a lot about sin and we're talking a lot about like our sin inhibiting us from actually coming before God. But th- the chapter is about a wandering mind, which I will be honest, it doesn't really talk about a wandering mind too much. I do feel like the prayer exercise, you know, nails it. But like the idea of a wandering mind is, 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 is in my opinion, I would, I would like to hear more kind of like the theology of why your mind wanders. But again, in, in the prayer exercise, they, they kind of hit on that. But I, I really loved this first chapter. I just feel like the idea of being good in prayer uh, and, and the first thing we would say is I need to focus in prayer. They're, they're kind of saying, well, the fact you don't focus in prayer is probably something that you should pray about. Mm. Um, and, and I really, really love that. And so mm. stick around to the end of the episode where we will lead you through the um, prayer exercise at the end of chapter one. But let's jump into chapter two, Sounds good. which is a uh, crazy title for a chapter. What if prayer can be a place to avoid God? What if, Michael? What if? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've kind of touched on it already, but yeah, I think that um I do think that sometimes we almost subconsciously say a lot in prayer. We use a lot of words and we try to sound eloquent, right? And we do so almost because we are we are afraid to have to just be kind of laid bare before the Lord. Totally. Yeah. And they have a line on 36 and this list line comes up a lot in 
Kyle Strobel's teaching, and he says, our prayer life is the Christian life miniaturized. Yeah. So, so Michael, explain what, what he means by that. Yeah, I think um, what he's saying is that, you know, what we, in, in prayer, we have the opportunity to, to see what we actually believe. Um, we have the opportunity to actually, to kind of be faced with the reality of, um, of what, what actually is going on in our hearts and lives and in our, in our minds. Um, and sometimes we're just not attuned enough to see it. Mm -hmm. And so prayer is kind of this kind of miniaturized version. It's this kind of compact, fun size version of our life um, in the Lord of our spiritual life mm -hmm. where we're able to kind of um, almost see the, the, the truth of, of what we actually believe about God. So for instance, um, in prayer, you might actually, actually recognize, Hey, I'm feeling kind of angry at God. And, and then you think, Oh man, but I'm not allowed to feel angry at God. Yep. Yep. And then you go, I'm feeling God's angry at me. Yep. But then you think, but wait, I thought God was a loving God. Why, why is he <laughs> yeah. angry at me? And and all of these things, what they're almost starting to reveal is, and as you go deeper and deeper, you start to recognize, man, what I actually think is that I could never please my mom. I could never please my coach. My coach was always angry at me. I'm really angry at my mom. <laughs> I'm really angry at my girlfriend or my wife or my kids or whatever it is, my best friend. Like, and what you start to realize in your prayer life is I, I think you start to realize the ways that like these filters that you see the life through and that, that you live your spiritual life through mm -hmm. and prayer is the place where you, where those things get, uh, you know, uncovered or revealed to you. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think that's probably another one of those like shocking things. Like I didn't know you could say that and be a Christian. Yeah. But like, yeah, like uh, so much of our earthly relationships and our, our beliefs about our earthly connections to people come up in prayer to God. And and basically, you know, they kind of end the chapter on page 45. We turn prayer into a place to avoid God when we think that even in some small way, it is a place to perform, be good, or appear Christian. Yeah. And it goes back to that Luke 18 um, parable again. Like if you think that the Christian life is all about appearances, your prayer will be all about appearances. If you think God is all about wrath, then your prayers will be trying to not experience any of that wrath. If you think God is blank, your prayers will reflect blank. So what's the true nature of God? Loving, open, caring, sent his son to die for us, wants a relationship with you. Mm. That's the truth of the Christian life, and that should be how we pray. And I think that's, again, another really important challenge for us, that the more that we try to appear one way, you know, Christian— and then that's a funny thing to say because, you know, if you're listening to this, I, I would wager that you are a Christian. But like appearing Christian versus actually being a Christ follower and how that comes up in prayer. I don't know. I think that was just a fascinating, a fascinating thing. Like prayer, can you can avoid God. You can avoid the real God in prayer, 100%. You know what? I, I okay, so in prayer training, um, I led us through Psalm 139. Mm -hmm. Psalm 139 is my favorite uh, chapter of the Bible. It's a banger as a whole, the whole Bible and the whole Bible. That is my favorite chapter of the Bible. So like if you're on a desert Island and your Bible falls from the sky and it's like all tattered and you just had Psalm 139, you'd be okay. No, I still need like John three sixteen at least. You, you got that one memorized <laughs> though. You got it memorized. You're fine. Yeah. But yeah, no, um, Psalm 139 is my favorite. I just, it, it touches my heart, but what I, the reason why I led us through it in prayer training and, and maybe some of you prayer training people are listening to this, so you get to double dip, but, um, is because I think that Psalm 139, it actually reveals it like a, an, a real example of someone who is trying to hide from God in prayer. And that's David. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I like any listeners, if you have the time and the gumption to go do it, <laughs> you know, go pick up your Bible after this and and just read through Psalm 139. And what I want you to find in there is 
a man who is who is saying a lot about God, right? Like you've searched me and you've known me. You know, you know my heart, my thoughts from afar. You, you know, even to the furthest parts of the sea, you're there. Um, you know, where can I go to flee from your spirit? Where can I hide from you? Right? There's all of these these kind of this this banter that David is doing mm-hmm. with God, almost saying, like, Lord, I can't get away from you. Right. Lord, I'm I'm I've literally looked everywhere, and you're always there. You're always convicting me. You're always walking alongside me. There's nothing I can do to flee from you. You've known me even in my mother's womb, right? And so, um, and then what you see is him almost like Rick recognizing how he he's failing to actually hide from God. Yeah. Like, yeah. I can't, I can't do it. Like, I cannot hide from you. Yeah. And then what you see is this crazy turn, right? Where it's, he's kind of saying all these things about God, all these, you know, wonderful things about God. How wonderful are your thoughts? Whatever. And then it, it just turns and he goes, would you just kill these guys that are slaying me? Would you kill, would you slay these guys who have been coming after me? These, these bloodthirsty men, don't you hate them? Don't you abhor their, yeah. their violence, you know? And like footnote that for a second though, but like if that's what David thought the Christian life was about, hiding from enemies, running from enemies, hoping that the enemies die, of course he's going to come to God and say, don't, what, what are you doing? Like, this is who you are. Why aren't you helping me? Right. Also, he's going to talk about how he can't hide from God because he thinks he can hide from God. Yep. Yeah. And it's, Come on. it's almost like you see him, you see his mind changing as to, it's almost like he just, he kind of gives up. He loses stamina and he's like, look, fine, God, I'm here's what it. I really want to pray about. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he yeah, tells yeah. him everything, right? And then at the end, it's like, he's almost like, he's like backing off from it. Like, <laughs> all right, Lord, uh, search me and know my heart. You know, God, show me if there's any wayward way in me and lead me into life everlasting. Like, all right, Lord, if I if anything I just said was yeah. a little bit too much, like would you just convict me of that and show me the truth? It's like when you have a conversation with someone and you know you've blown up and you're like, if you hear one thing, it, don't don't listen to that, <laughs> just listen to this. Yeah. Yeah, that's what he does with God. And I think that's that's a really really good verse for this chapter. You know, what if prayer could be a place to avoid God? That is a psalm about avoiding God. Yeah. Right. Doing your best to avoid God. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like avoiding God, like I don't want you to see me or, or, or you know, know where I'm at, but I want to avoid who you really are. Because again, in God's presence, a lot of times we're laid bare. Mm. And I think that, you know, the prayer exercise at the end of this one was a lot about being present and being being open to what God is actually doing. Um, and, and again, my recommendation is that you read this book and you go through all of the prayer exercises. Um mm-hmm. I just think they're all valuable. And I think that it's really cool to have a book that invites you into the process of that. Um, I think it's really cool to have a book like that. So we've been talking for a long time. I think it's time to give people a break. Okay. Um, So if you've listened to this and you haven't read chapters one and two, be great if you went back and did it. Uh, Obviously we cannot do it justice. Um, But we are going to have another episode out in in two weeks or so, uh, you know, all things considered. We thought we were going to get this one out at a certain point, but you know, I got COVID and went to winter camp and, you know, life got real busy, but we're going to try to put these out every couple weeks. Uh, and so the next section we're going to read is chapters three, four, and five. So three, what if prayer doesn't meet my expectations Four, what if God wants my heart of sin and pain, and then the interlude as an invitation to prayer. Uh, and so we will be doing all of those chapters. And so if you want to follow along with us, make sure you are all caught up, uh, pages, you know, one through 96, I guess, between now and in two weeks. And then we have a really cool thing we want to do where we want to invite you as a congregation or as a listening body to send us voice memos um, on your phone about some reflections you have. So as you're reading this book, keep your phone close by and then open a voice memo and just kind of verbalize what you're feeling, verbalize what happens in your heart as you're reading this book, or, or maybe tell us about how your prayer life has changed based on some of the things brought up in this book. And then we'll play them on the podcast and Michael and I will react to them. So you can send those to my email, which is hbabcock at coastline.family. Again, hbabcock at coastline.family. And in the subject line, just put voice memo for podcast. And tell me in the email where what page it's from or what chapter it's from so we can play it at the right time. But anything's fair games, chapters one through four for the next next one. And I hope we get a lot. I hope people are interacting with this. And yeah, I, I'm really excited. Michael, how are you feeling? I'm feeling really, really, really excited. I, I love this book so far. Um, and it, you know, it reminds me a ton of um, our, our conversation with Kyle a few weeks, 
or months ago. And it also reminds me a ton of my ISF journey yeah. at Biola. Yeah. So it's, I'm really loving it. I'm really excited for it. Um, I really hope that you guys take the opportunity to engage with us. Yeah, um, totally. We, we, we want this podcast specifically to be a little more interactive than the, the, the other weekly coastline right. podcast. Um, and so please, yeah, send us some, some kind of reflections and, mm-hmm. and just so you know, um, we aren't experts no. and we're not expecting you to be either. Um, we're, we want to be honest with God and with each other. So, yeah. um, yeah. you know, any, any thoughts that you have are good thoughts. We'd love to just interact yeah. with those thoughts and, and share, um, you know, share with our, all of the listeners that, that we're on this journey together. Totally. So, That's great. um, so yeah, feel free to send those, those to Hunter H Babcock at coastline.family. That's me. Um, and, and oh, no, I was going to say, and, um, so, also, just so you guys know, this podcast, um, the 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 extra prayer, where prayer becomes real, book club podcast is going to be. If you're listening to this on the regular right, podcast, right, right, this is going to be on a side podcast. Um, so that first that first episode um, or second episode, I guess, is going to land on February first on yep. Tuesdays. So it'll be every other Tuesday, whereas the regular podcast will be every, every Thursday, Thursday as normal. So if you listen to this all the way through and you have no interest at all in continuing the journey. Congratulations! You don't have to. Yeah. There's like it's just another podcast feed that you don't have to ever engage with, and you're like, I want to go back to Hunter and Sean talking about you know nothing, which is great, which will probably happen again soon, I promise you. But if you enjoyed this conversation and and you want uh, more, we have a link in the bio for the podcast the book club feed for both spotify and apple and it's also going to be on the app and so make sure you download the coastline app where you can have all the coastline content that you ever could desire and stick around uh we'll we'll get we'll do a little bit of a break here and then we'll jump in and and i'll I'll lead us through the uh prayer exercise from chapter one and if that doesn't get you to buy the book i don't know what will michael i'm excited me too, dude. Any any times that you and I can just sit down and talk in front of microphones is a good time for me, it's baby. It's a fun time, man. It's a fun time. All right. Well, hey, enjoy your prayers. And I we're not going to use the catchphrase for this one. This is a different podcast. So keep keep on keeping on. That's the new that's my that's my my book club uh catchphrase. Keep on keeping on. And we'll see Serious Hunter again in two weeks. Maybe. Maybe. See you guys. way to start these prayer exercises is by just creating an atmosphere that is conducive to really be still and quiet before the Lord. So if you're driving, maybe pause it and jump back in when you're at home. Or if you're at home, find a nice quiet space away from all of the chaos of what normally goes around so you can really sit with the Lord. So I'll give you a second to do that and then I'll jump back on. knows and sees all and that you want to be with him. Pray the words of David from Psalm 27, 4 through 5, and watch what goes on in your heart. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. Offer yourself to God. says in Colossians 4.2. What does your heart do? Can you simply be with the Lord? If so, praise God and be thankful. But if your mind starts wandering, don't reject or try to control it. First, share these things with the Lord. Share all the things on your heart. He sees them and he knows the truth better than we do.
secondly, ask him, Lord, what is this desire of my heart? What does my heart treasure more than being with you? As you are watchful of your heart in his presence, do not fear the truth. If your mind wanders to your worries or your weekly calendar, then be open with the Lord about why your heart turns to these places. Do you feel like you don't have control in God's presence, so you turn to something that you can control? Do you feel like prayer isn't productive, so you turn to something that is? Talk to God about these matters. Allow your heart to unveil the deep loves of your soul and hold them up to God. Mentally, take them in your hands and offer them to him. Know that he is enough for you here. Know that it was in your sin that Christ died for you. Know that there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Allow your heart to respond to God's kindness in the midst of your brokenness. Ask the Lord to teach you about the treasures of your heart and guide you in wisdom. Thanks for listening to our first book club episode of the podcast. Make sure you send in your voice memos about your favorite things in chapters one through four of where prayer becomes real and we'll see you 